0: Section 6 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 13, January 27th, 1880. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Larry Wilson. Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 13, January 27th, 1880. Hairs, Wild and tame the hare family is one of the largest of the great animal kingdom for master lepus is found in almost every corner of the earth and whether hiding in tropical thickets or scampering on alpine heights or through the frozen regions of the north it is always the same agile shy and stupid little beast it has very long ears tipped with black and heavy whiskers growing from each cheek its hind legs are very long it is a swift runner and can jump a great distance. Hares are very common throughout the northern United States, their favorite haunts being overgrown old clearings and thickets where are many snug places of concealment. They change their fur during winter, throwing off the pretty reddish brown summer coat and donning one of white and dark fawn color. The color of the fur, however, is so varied that it is difficult to find two specimens exactly alike this little creature will eat any juicy tender food such as the young buds and sprouts in the spring berries and leaves it is fond of cabbage leaves and young grain and often does much mischief to the crops it generally sleeps through the day and morning and evening jumps about in search of food scampering here and there wherever it can find a sweet morsel to nibble it does not burrow its nest in the ground like its cousin the rabbit but scratches together a little heap of dry grass which makes a very good temporary lodging the hare's nest is called a form and is so in harmony with surrounding objects that it is scarcely noticeable one may pass very near without suspecting that under such a heap of dry rubbish a cunning little animal lies concealed on english heaths the hare makes its form in the little stubbly furze bushes inside this mass of prickly leaves it hollows out a soft little bed where it sleeps away the long sunny day crouched close to the ground its ears laid flat on its back hares have no means of defending themselves except their sharp toe-nails which they rarely think of using and they fall an easy prey to the many enemies which beset them they are vigorously hunted by men and dogs on account of the delicate flavor of their flesh and it has been thought necessary to place them under the protection of the game laws. They are also the prey of foxes, wild cats, weasels, and many other animals. Although defenseless, they still are in a measure protected by their keen ear, which catches the sound of the least rustle or movement and warns the little beast against approaching danger. The hare is the worst mother in the world. When her little ones are four or five days old, she leaves them unprotected in their nest and scampers away to enjoy herself, returning once or twice, perhaps to nurse her forlorn babies, and then leaving them to shift for themselves. Many little ones, thus neglected, die of cold and hunger, or are swooped up by hawks and owls. It is a strange fact that the mother hare makes no attempt to protect her babies, but will run away at the least signal of danger, and leave them to their fate hares have even been known themselves to bite their children to death a young hare family remain together until they are half grown when they separate continuing to live near their native spot for hares are not travellers and unless disturbed seldom change their home they are very short-lived and seldom attain the age of ten years hares are very plentiful in switzerland and are found high up among the ice and snow of the most lofty mountains these alpine hares are subject to a very strange change of costume in december when the alpine world is one vast expanse of snow the fur of the hair is the purest white only the ears preserving the distinguishing black tip as spring comes on gray brown hairs appear in the white fur until about the end of may the animal is entirely covered with a gray brown coat which with the first snows of the autumn begins in its turn to change again into white ice hares which are found as far north as the parry islands are also subject to the same change with the exception that the warm weather continues only long enough to spread a gray mantle along the back of the little creature which quickly disappears as the temperature declines the ice hare lives on the bark and twigs of the arctic willow and the dry moss and stubble of the desolate region it inhabits It makes its nest among the rocks and in winter digs a hole in the snow hares are good swimmers but will not enter the water unless to avoid a foe there is however one species of aquatic hare found only in the southern united states it is amphibious like the muskrat is a most expert swimmer and makes its nest or form on the edge of the morass where it sleeps all day sallying forth morning and evening for a swim in search of the delicate water-plants upon which it feeds the young ones enter the water at a very early age and may be seen paddling about with the mother on a hunt for breakfast tame hares make very pretty pets they are very stupid about learning tricks and are said to have very short memories hares which have escaped from their masters and have been recaptured after a few days of freedom have been found to be entirely wild as if they retained no remembrance even for that short time of all the petting which had been bestowed upon them dr benjamin franklin is said to have had a pet hare which lived on the most friendly terms with the greyhound and cat and would share the hearthrug with them in the winter william cowper the english poet had three pet hares to which he was much attached and about which he wrote many pretty things they were given to him when they were called Leverets, as a hare is called during the first year of its life, and he named them Puss, Bess, and Tiny. He built them houses to sleep in, and always kept them near him. Bess, who died soon after he was full-grown, was, writes Cowper, a hare of great humor and drollery. Puss was tamed by gentle usage. Tiny was not to be tamed at all. Once poor Puss was sick. His master nursed him with the greatest care he says no creature could be more grateful than my patient after his recovery the sentiment which he most significantly expressed by licking my hand first the back of it then the palm then every finger separately then between all the fingers as if anxious to leave no part of it unsaluted a ceremony which he never performed but once again upon a similar occasion Upon Tiny, the kindest treatment had no effect. If his master ventured to stroke him, he would grunt, strike with his forefeet, spring forward, and bite. Tiny lived to be nine years old, and died from the effects of a fall. Puss survived him two years. A memorandum found among Cowper's papers reads, This day died poor Puss, aged eleven years, eleven months he died between twelve and one at noon of mere old age and apparently without pain the poet was so fond of his pets that he buried them in his garden and wrote an epitaph on tiny from which we take the following stanzas here lies whom hound did ne'er pursue nor swifter greyhound follow whose foot ne'er tainted morning dew nor ear heard huntsman's halloo old tiny surliest of his kind who nursed with tender care and to domestic bounds confined was still a wild jack-hair though duly from my hand he took his pittance every night he did it with a jealous look and when he could would bite his diet was of wheaten bread and milk and oats and straw thistles or lettuce instead with sand to scour his maw on twigs of hawthorn he regaled on Pippin's russet peel, and when his juicy salads failed, sliced carrot pleased him well. End of section six